0: This morning we're continuing our uh, conversation uh, through the book of James in the New Testament. And I thought today we'd just go ahead and jump right into the text. Uh, So uh, if you have a Bible with you, go ahead and open it now. We're going to be in James chapter 1, verses 19 through 21. If I could ask, if you're willing, let's go ahead and stand for the reading of God's Word this morning. Hear the word of God, James 1, 19 through 21. Know this, my beloved brothers and sisters, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls." May God add his blessing to the reading of this word, and may God bless our experience together. Amen. Please be seated. All right, so today what we're going to do, we're going to take a look at a proverb, and then we're going to take a look at a reset. That's what James provides for us. In verses 19 and 20, we have this proverb from James, and then in verse 21. We'll call it a reset. It's, it's, a, it's a refocusing, uh, an opportunity for us to reclaim uh, that which changes all of life. So we'll take a look at those two things. We're going to spend more time on the proverb than we do on the reset. Uh, so as you're pacing yourself and you're thinking, he hasn't got to that final point yet, is that going to be as long as the first one? Um, just be at peace. We'll, we'll get through our time together. All right, so let's take a look at the proverb. And, and I thought maybe it might be helpful if we work at a couple of definitions together and first we might ask ourselves well what is a proverb? I don't know if you've seen this book before this is a a little devotional by uh, Tim Keller and it's all about God's wisdom it's a, it takes a look at the Proverbs uh, from the Old Testament and, and he does a marvelous job if you're looking for a devotional for the coming year or you just want to start one up now I highly recommend this very very helpful Um, And it's so accessible, too. In fact, at the beginning, he provides a couple of definitions for Proverbs. Here's what he says. Here's one. Uh, It's a description of how some aspect of life works. You get that? So it it helps us understand, uh, um, uh, given an aspect of life. So uh, how does life work in that moment? Um, Very hands-on, very practical, but then he goes on and he describes it also this way. He says that a proverb is a poetic art form that instills wisdom in you as you wrestle with it. A poetic art form that instills wisdom in you as you wrestle with it. So a couple things from that definition is poetry. So the writer of a proverb is going to be thinking about uh, parallelism. You know, How does one line uh, support the next line? Uh, it's going to think about the counting of syllables and, and these aspects of Hebrew poetry. In fact, it was such an art form that, that uh, leaders from different nations would go and, and travel to different parts of the world and want to collect other people's proverbs. They were so important to know. And, and can you imagine, you know, um, hey kids, we're, we're going to Egypt. Oh, dad, are, are we going to go look for proverbs? yes. Yes, child, we are. Thank you, Father. And they'd uh, be off to find these new little uh, uh, pieces of poetry to learn from. But we also have that phrase that we would wrestle with it. We would wrestle with it. That it's, it's not something that we just consume or that we think that we have right away or that, that we know exactly what it means, but it's meant to be soaked in. In fact, we could add a third definition. Uh, uh, Keller says it's like... A piece of hard candy that a proverb is like a piece of hard candy that you can crunch it and get some flavor out of it but really if you want to get the fullness of that piece of candy that piece of hard candy you'll let it dissolve in your mouth you'll spend time with it you'll you'll take in the full flavor of it and that's the way proverbs are to be enjoyed and to be a useful gift from God in our lives All right, so if that's a proverb, let's look at the word wisdom. And we talked about this just a couple weeks back, but just as a refresher, wisdom is knowledge applied appropriately in a situation. Knowledge applied appropriately in a situation. So we know, we know that God is total truth. And we also know that God is total grace. That God is total truth and total grace. Jesus, when he was in this world, he was total truth and total grace at all times. Wisdom would be having the ability in a particular situation of manifesting truth and grace in an appropriate way. So you can think of one situation where you might be where where it would call upon a manifestation of both that truth and grace in one form and yet then you'll be in a different situation and sensitivities would change and the wisdom would be to go forward with an awareness of the particulars that you find yourself in. The knowledge applied in an appropriate way to a particular situation. Okay, so with these definitions in mind, let's jump in. James gives us a proverb. And so it's one you've probably heard before. If not in a church, you've probably heard something about a proverb like this in culture. And so let's get ready to wrestle. In fact, it's Sunday, and the temptation as a pastor to go, it's Sunday, let's get ready to wrestle! Let's get ready to wrestle. Not just to tick a box off, but to... Begin to soak in something that God would want us to soak in. James begins by saying, know this, my beloved brothers and sisters, and I love it. We find that James always has this sense of community, of connectedness. He goes on, he says, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. Um, so we know that it's written to everyone. It's not written, hey, those of you that are wise and learned. It's not saying, hey, those of you that are ordained as pastors or those of you that that, um, uh, are of this gender or those of you that are Sunday school teachers. He says, let every person, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. You know that there's, um, in the NIV, uh, the translators went ahead and put a conjunction word between the last two concepts. It said, um, uh, quick to hear, uh, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Um, but the, the conjunction word is not in the original text. And so the, when James writes it, he writes it in much more of a staccato uh, f- fashion. He just They're in parallel with each other. All three of them coming to, to, toward us together. Quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. Let everyone be these things. And by the way, he builds on a long history. We've noticed this before. James, probably one of the first writers in the New Testament, the, the letter of James, one of the first things written uh, that we have in the New Testament. And so he's, he, he, he's building on this ancient faith that Christianity is simply Judaism to its fullness. It, it, it's living into that which God had promised for centuries and centuries that the Messiah has arrived. And so he builds on the teaching from the Old Testament. And in fact, if we were to look at uh, um, Proverbs 17, Proverbs 17, verses 27 and 28, we find similar teaching. We read, Whoever restrains his words has knowledge. And he who has a cool spirit is a person of understanding. Even a fool who keeps silent is considered wise when he closes his lips He is deemed intelligent. We see the same concepts coming out. Quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. All right, so this is what James gives his audience. And we've come to understand that his audience, are these, um, and some scholars will describe them as the Hellenistic Jews. These are Jews from, from abroad who's been living in different communities. They were in Jerusalem, but because of persecution, now they're back out. And think about it, that Christianity is such a young faith at this point, and he wants them to get along with each other. He wants them to to represent Christ well in their community. He wants them to do well in the midst of trials. And so he tells them, be quick to hear. Now this word in the Greek uh, is a word that also connotes understand. Don't just listen to the words— Be quick to understand. Now, we have to make sure we know what he's not saying. Because it's possible, if you're wired like me, it's possible to go, oh, I'll be quick to understand. I'll be the quickest to understand. I'm going to understand, even before they understand what they want me to understand, I'm going to understand them. And so, I can be so quick at understanding somebody, at least I think so in my head, that I will start talking before they're finished sharing. Because I've already understood what they want me to understand, at least I think I do. But that's not what he's saying. Give priority to understanding. Elevate understanding. Elevate hearing because it's important to understand. There was a book written a good number of years ago by Stephen Covey. I mean, it just sold a gazillion copies. Uh, the Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And habit number five was seek to understand before being understood. Well, clearly, he's not the one who came up with the concept. Uh, It's been part of uh, proverb history for some time. But seek to understand before being understood. And and one of the helpful gifts that Covey gives to us in his uh, 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 traveling through that concept was understanding different levels of listening, different kinds of listening, different levels of listening. He, he identifies five five of them. The uh, lowest level is uh, to ignore. This is where where you may be in front of them. You may actually be looking at their face, but you're not paying attention to anything they're saying. You're just totally ignoring someone. The next level up um, is the level of pretending. This is the, mm, mm-hmm, uh, yeah, yeah. Often this is what accompanies when someone's talking to you from the other room and you've got the remote in your hand, Uh uh-huh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and you're just pretending to listen. The one up from that is selective listening. This is where we're listening for the things that we are wired to listen for. And so maybe we're, in one conversation, we're listening for the trigger words. We just want them to indict themselves and we will just pick up on the things we want to hear. Other times it'll be just because we happen to be interested in those things and not interested in the other. But we're only selectively listening. It's like shopping through a store. I I don't like that stuff. This is stuff I'm going to focus on. The winner from that is attentive listening. Attentive listening is where we pay attention to the words. In fact, we pay attention to all the words. But we pay attention simply to the words. And then we'll respond with our words. And it's words and words and words and words and words. Covey says that there's a fifth level. And that's the empathetic, empathetic kind of listening. And the empathetic listening is where we choose to want to learn about their frame of reference. We choose to want to, um, I I look back at the slides because I thought maybe I, I wrote empathetic wrong. That's, just, that's the kind of thing I would do. But I think it's right. Um, but we would, we choose to get into their frame of reference and learn about their story. Why, why do they come to that? What leads to that? Tell me more. I want to understand where you come to the place you come to. I, I want to understand what you're really communicating. Now, when Covey describes this, he, he says that one of the, reasons why we don't do this often besides not even understanding that it, the opportunity exists is that it makes us feel vulnerable to get into somebody else's frame of reference is to open ourselves to being influenced if I'm only focusing on the words and I already know my words and I heard their words their words are gonna already confirm what my frame of reference tells me what their words are gonna say and I use my frame of reference to understand their words but when I choose in humility to get inside their frame of reference, now their words take on more meaning and they may, might influence me and I might have to change my frame of reference. You know, one other thing that empathetic listening does it opens up the opportunity to love, to connect, to build friendship. So that all sounds exhausting. And and sometimes quite unstable, quite shaky. What would allow a Christian to consistently take that posture in a relationship, in communication, to focus and prioritize on listening? I want to give us three things. We can make a long, long list really quickly. One is we're already loved. We can stand before another person. We can be on the other end of a phone call. We can be looking at our computer screen in the midst of a Zoom connection, a Zoom chat. And we can be there already loved. And and not wondering, do I have to defend myself? Do do I I have to overcome the other person? I show up already loved by God. Loved and forgiven and redeemed and and, and full of God's Spirit. All right, so we're already loved. The next thing is, is that we already have assurance of our future. Our future is secure. No matter what happens in a conversation, no, no matter what... happens when I step into someone else's frame of reference I know that my future is already secured heaven's on its way my job now is to pull heaven into this world to represent the reality of heaven my future is already assured I'm free to listen and the third thing is that we already have clarity about our mission we have clarity about our mission our mission is to represent the love of Christ more than it is to, to represent our point of view, more than it is to share our opinion, we're deployed always to represent the love of Christ. Already loved, assured of our future, with a clear mission to represent the love of Christ. So we are free to prioritize understanding others. But then James says, slow to speak. Slow to speak. And, and again, here we can... Uh, See how he's standing on the uh, shoulders of others as he shares this. in Proverbs 10:19. we read these words, Proverbs 10:19. "When words are many, transgression is not lacking, but whoever restrains his lips is prudent. Be slow to speak. Be slow to speak. Words matter. Words matter. You know, we, when we were kids, we heard that thing, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. No. <laughs> words do hurt. Words can hurt. Words inflict pain all the time. In fact, with our words, we can either divide or unite. With our words, we can hurt or soothe. With our words, we can belittle or affirm. With our words, we can deceive or inform. With the same mouth, we say, I love you and I hate you or I don't even think about you. Words matter. Words matter when we're tucking in a child at night. Words matter when we're responding to a student who made some poor choices Words matter when we're talking about important issues between spouses. Issues like finances or intimacy or raising children or whatever it might be. Words matter. Words matter when we're, when we're talking with fellow employees. Words matter when we're talking with a neighbor. Words matter. One way to think about why it's important to be slow to speak is that a way to picture what goes on inside of our heads is that there are these different pools in which we soak our words. And some of those pools or some of those vats are healthy and some of them are toxic. And if we're pulling words from those toxic pools, then they're going to harm others. They're going to harm communities. And so some of those toxic pools might be like a a, a vat of fear. It could be a a, a, a vat of hubris or ego or pride. It it could be a pool of insecurity, or, or in the case of our text here, a pool of anger. And if our words have been soaking in these pools, if that's our frame of reference and that's where our words are going to come from, then we want to slow our speech down, our speaking down. Because there can be other healthier pools. What if our words came out of humility? What if our words were soaked in hope? What if our our words were soaked in compassion and generosity? And so we slow our speech down so that we have a a chance to be able to see which pool are these words coming from. And if this word I want to share is coming out of the the vat of anger that I have, can I take it and soak it in generosity first and cleanse it and make it something that can be a gift to the other? There was a a piece that was published in Inc. magazine uh, some time ago and it was all about Uh, uh, think before you speak, think before you speak. And I thought maybe this might be just a quick little tool. Some of us like these quick little tools. And so they took the letters of the word think and and they connected it to a way of considering how we might think before we share something, before we speak. And so uh, the T, we could ask ourselves, is it true? Is what I want to say, is it true? Is it objectively true? Is it subjectively true? Is it true about me? Is it true about the situation? Is it true? Is it helpful? H, is it helpful? Or is it going to be hurtful? Is it helpful? Now, here's why I, I kind of bend what Inc. did in their, in their piece. They, they said... Uh, um, is it inspiring? Which is what you would expect Inc. Magazine to say, um, but I felt like that was a little oppressive, that you always have to be inspiring. It's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. But I thought, is it innocent? Not in terms of being naive, but is it free of moral corruption? Is it aligned with the heart of God? Is it innocent? Is it necessary? Are are my words necessary for this moment? Or do I just want to hear myself talk? And is it kind? Are my words kind? Choosing which pool. How do we rinse those words off so that they're not just coming with this toxic weight with them? Slow to speak. Be quick to hear. Slow to speak. Slow to anger. And this is the one that comes with an explanation after it. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. There's this book called uh, Crucial Conversations. And um, it, it's written by a, a, a business group. And so the consultants got together. They wrote this thing. And it, it, but it discusses uh, tough conversations that uh, people need, need to have. And other people have written on this before too. So communication theorists have written on it. And family system uh, people have ri- written on this as well. I'm going to give you my take on how all that, that group of knowledge, um, a, a way of conceiving this, um, often this is, I believe, how we process um, conversation. We hear, we feel, we speak. We hear, we feel, we speak. In fact, we even think that what we hear caused our feelings. Have you said it before? You make me so mad. You push all my buttons. You make me angry. Well, there's really no way for another person to push all your buttons. There are no buttons for the other person person to push. Those buttons are your buttons. Your feelings are your feelings. My feelings are my feelings. I'm the one responsible for my feelings. So maybe a better way to conceive of the opportunity to communicate would be like this. It's a little bit more work involved. Before we even begin to consider our feelings, we may be aware of our feelings, but we're going to first focus on understanding what we hear. We want to know something of the other person's story. Their story matters. Because if I only hear the words... But I don't know them in the context of that person's story, if I don't know their frame of reference, then my feelings about it may be way off. I I may have all kinds of feelings of anger, but they may not be appropriate feelings of anger at all. So even if I'm feeling anger inside of me, I, I go, patient, let's wait. Yes, you're feeling that, but that doesn't need to dictate this moment. Let me ask a couple of questions. If I've heard you correctly, is this what you're saying? Help me understand where is that coming from? What what would that look like? I want to understand what's going on before I give myself permission just to feel the weight of it because otherwise I might waste time for them and for myself and energy and, and relationship. Once I get to understand their story, now I get to move on to the next part, another story, and that's my story. And so I have these feelings in response to what I understand them to say, and hopefully what I understand accurately for them to say. But now I need to understand, why am I having those feelings? Is my response born of insecurity? Is my anger born of a sense of instability in my own life? Do I feel threatened? Why do I feel threatened by that? Listen, I'm already loved. I, my future's secure. I've got a clear mission in this world. So I want to understand why I'm responding the way I'm responding. And so I understand their story, I understand my story, and then when that understanding has happened, then I can speak. There's, so there's two stories at work, their story and my story. In truth, there's actually three stories. We know that there's a story of God. We know that man's anger does not produce God's righteousness. Man's anger does not produce God's righteousness. So there's a bigger story, God's righteousness at play, and I want to pay attention to that story as I listen and feel and speak. If that's the proverb, everyone be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. And then we come to verse 21. And verse 21 reads this way. It says, Therefore put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. You know, there's two different lead-ins to that verse. James is so interesting the way he writes. So he uses individual words and he connects different places in his letter by individual words. And sometimes he puts stuff in between them. He goes, why did you put that in between them? So here what we can do. We can use the last part of 20 as an introduction to verse 21. Here's how this reads. Listen to this. Watch what happens here. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God, therefore put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness. Or we could use verse 18 as a lead-in. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth. See the word, word. The word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls." this is a reset. Listen, we're in a new place in this world. God has moved. God has forgiven. God has called us into a relationship with him through the Messiah, Jesus Christ. His death on the cross, his resurrection from the dead, this new life we have, we are a part of that story. So put away, the the language here is of taking off dirty clothes Take off your dirty clothes. Put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness. Anything that is not of God, just put that away. Instead, receive with meekness, with gentleness, with humility, the implanted word, Jeremiah thirty-one, thirty-one. a new covenant I'm going to make with the people at that time. I'm going to put my word, I'm going to write my word on their heart. That implanted word, the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. Receive that with meekness, it is has the ability to save our souls. Okay. I'm personally convicted. I'm personally convicted. See, I've had time over this week to to sit in this and to wrestle with it and I'm personally convicted and a number of you know for good reason why I should be convicted. Unfortunately, I'm not a good steward all the time of my words or of my commitment to listening. And I would not be surprised if some of you have individual stories where you know and have felt put off by my lack of listening skills. And there may be of times when I have spoken and, and in fact, it's not maybe, I know there are times I have spoken where my words have not been as kind or, or as loving as they would be in God's desire for me they've come out of bad vats bad pools and I it's easy for me to stand in front of you and sincerely say I'm sorry and yet I know that that a blanket apology is not enough and and so maybe we need to have individual conversations along the way and I invite those I invite those but maybe you're also feeling convicted maybe you're thinking about some conversations you've had with some people maybe even this past week and you said you know what I was not prioritizing listening. In fact, I've gotten into a habit where I don't do that. And I have not watched my words. I've let them pour forth from just toxic vats, toxic backgrounds, and they've hurt people. And I've let my anger get ahead of me, take over me, and I've used it to control people around me. If you're feeling convicted like I am, this is a great day for resetting (laughs) It's a great day for resetting. That we are loved. That we can put away all the, all the filthiness, all the rampant uh, wickedness and we can live in light of the new gospel words implanted in our hearts. Let us be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this time. We thank you that we get to be your people in this world. We thank you for your love. And we thank you for the wisdom that you pour into a simple proverb. We pray for each other this week that we would wrestle with what you teach in your scripture. That we would wrestle with the words of James. And that, God, that you would let those words come in and and help to form who you're making us to be. That we would have wisdom to offer this world as we go forward as your people. To you be all the praise. To you be all the thanks. To you be all the glory. In Christ's name, amen.